Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Straight ahead on the Insiders, Iowa's governor's here on what one new law provides and does not yet provide for families desperate to find their children treatment plus why some lawmakers are switching parties because of the president. Also coming up, a peek at two out-of-towners who will get some face-to-face time with key Metro leaders when they head to Washington, D.C. this week. And in the Insider's Quick Six, would you or would you not turn to medical marijuana if it could help ease a family member's suffering? Good Sunday morning. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds had some big decisions to make with the bills legislators gave her during this past session, but I would like to begin with a bill that she has already signed. Mary Neubauer shared these pictures you're about to see with us. She and her husband Larry have been urgently lobbying to improve the state's dismal mental health system. They could not find the treatment their 18-year-old son Sergey needed in time to save his life. Sergey's family is in the picture. If you look on the right side of the screen, they have been lobbying ever since Sergey's death. So they are in the room as the governor is signing a children's mental health bill. And if you look at Larry and Mary's faces, you can see the anguish that they have endured since Sergey died about 18 months ago. But this next picture shows the joy. Family joined friends. They're holding up those bracelets. They say Sergey's soldiers on them. These are all the people who've been dedicated to improve services in this state in Sergey's honor. Finally, this one, it looks like just two pens, but these are the pens the governor used to sign the bill in the law. Mary and Larry each got one at the end of this ceremony. Now, this new law does set up a 24-hour hotline families can use, and it also sets up a board to focus on children's needs. I began our conversation with the governor about what's in this law but also what is not, including the money, which advocates say has to come. Well, so what the bill does is, uh, and they were there, and I was proud to have them there and referenced really their just, you know, they have been instrumental in helping us get this done. We've been talking about it for decades. So what the bill does is it establishes the children's mental health system. It um, acknowledges what the eligibility requirements are. And in addition to that, it also mandates core services. So part of the problem is there is already uh, a, a significant amount of money that goes into children's mental health. So there are dollars already flowing into the system, especially through Medicaid. But parents and teachers, they don't even know where to begin. They don't know how to access the services. Uh, there's a 24-7 hotline that's a part of this that will go a long way in just helping parents who are trying to get the services for their children, you know, on the right path. And so, you know, it's a process. So this is the structure with the oversight. This will allow us to see where the barriers are. A year ago when we signed comprehensive mental health care reform and they were there, I turned to them and I said, next year it's children's mental health. I am committed to getting this done. I turned to them yesterday and I said, Next year, I said over the interim, I am committed to making sure that we have a dedicated, you know, a revenue source to sustain this, these mental health systems going forward. And so I'll be working on that over the interim. But a lot of it has to do with really 
um, understanding how to find access to the additional to, to the existing funding. But if they call the hotline, isn't correct me if I'm wrong, but one of our struggles right now is that we don't have that sort of mid-range care for these kids, right? Well, you it, can get the emergency, I need it right now mm -hmm, care, but mm -hmm. if you need more mid-range, we still don't have that though, right? And isn't that where we need the money? Well, but it starts to put it in place. And so it, you still have to know what you need, where the barriers are at. And there are, there is funding in place. One of the things that I did um, was to ask for, and the legislature passed, revenue to buy down the wait list. So again, we have children that are waiting for the services. They need them now, but um, they, they were on a list. And so we put additional funding in to buy down the wait list for this year. So that will get the kids the services that they need while we are working um, to put in place the, the funding mechanism or to make sure, you know, we need to figure out where are the gaps and where what do we need to do to make sure that this is sustainable for the long run. Same things with the adults mental health system. We did a couple of things this year to really help give us some time to again look at how we sustain and holistically fund both of these systems by um, increasing their carryover balance to 40% and then extending their buy down, the buy down requirements to 2023. And so for the for most of them, there are still some that, you know, are that have some issues that they're working through. Polk County is one of them, but there was some additional legislation passed to help them as well. Uh, one of the other things, one of the decisions you have to make is this bill that would ban Medicaid money toward when it goes for gender reassignment surgery. And these are these are obviously very rare. Uh, in your mind, these surgeries, is that cosmetic or medically necessary? Well, what the provision says is that, that's in the, the legislation, says that the Civil Rights Act doesn't require governments to fund uh, gender reassignment and other similar surgical events. And this is, uh, this has been uh, the state's position for years. In fact, it was defended all the way up to the Supreme Court. They ruled that the statute doesn't make it clear, and so the legislature came back and addressed that. But this has, in fact, been the state's position for years, and this just takes it back to where it was. But, but so then, is it your contention then that this would be cosmetic and optional, so it would be the family's requirement then to you know, pay for it? The provision says that it doesn't require governments to fund um, gender reassignment and or sex reassignment and other similar surgeries. There are some provisions that would allow for medical, um, if it was medically necessary, so there is some options in there too. Uh, we're going to continue to take a look at this, but that's my understanding that the of the provision, and it is it's, and it is the it's been the state's position for years. Um, the attorney general defended that all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said based on the statute, they didn't think that it was constitutional. Legislature came back in and took it back to the way that it previously was by rules. So they just put it back the way that it was, and now I'm sure the Supreme Court will weigh in and decide whether it is or not, if if we move forward with that. Uh, one of the other decisions you have to make involves sports betting, so we're yeah. seeing a lot of these other states, and obviously we're not naive, this stuff happens, people are betting illegally yeah. on these things, so you could, you could bet legally um, on professional sports, colleges, etc. Just doing this, how do you balance? So, you know, we, we'll legalize it, we can maybe get some resources out of it, some uh, uh, revenue out of it, but do you agree this will likely make it easier for addicts? 
Well, I don't know. That's some of the things that we're taking a look at, and we're meeting with various groups. I've had both sides, I think I said that the other day to you, weigh in on this issue. Um, they are doing it, so this makes, us, makes it a way to have some oversight and to put some uh, requirements in that would monitor if people are abusing it, if they would limit their, their use or make it so they can't. Um, you know, so from that perspective, it's already happening. That's, it's not like we're adding, you know, but, but I understand the, the addiction side of it too, and that's something that I'm very concerned about as well. Uh, felon voting, that is something you made as a priority. Yeah. Uh, you've talked about this a lot. You want this constitutional amendment so voters can, can weigh in on this. As you look at this now, got the House to go along, but it was the Senate where this yeah. thing got stuck. And obviously it can be a two-year deal here, so yeah. since it's gone through the House, you could very you could work to get it done next legislative session and get that process going. As you sort of look in hindsight, do you think you had enough conversations with Senate Republicans to kind of ease their fears or to perhaps give them more carve out? So kind of the worst oh. of the worst criminals mm -hmm. would be spelled out here so that we would know that going forward. Yeah, uh, and that's what we're going to be working on over the interim, and uh, I think that we can get there. I feel, you know, I'm going to keep working on it. I, it's something that's really important to me. I believe in redemption and second chances. I believe that Iowans believe in that. But I do think also that there should be some carve-outs for certain um, uh, for certain elements. So, you know, I, I we're at the same place, and really in a past the House, I think 95 to 2, so the uh, significant support there, but the uh, remarks on the floor of the House, they also believe that the, probably there needs to be some exceptions in that. And so I think they thought that that would be able to be worked out in the Senate. It, we didn't get it done, but when we signed the employer liability shield, there were some exemptions in that. And I really think, Dave, that's a good place for us to start. Uh, so I'll sit down with the Senate over the interim and we'll hopefully find some common language uh, and, and get this passed, take that first step next year. Uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't think you should ever lose your right to vote. So if you're locked up in prison for whatever, whether it be the Boston Marathon bomber or anybody, you should be able to vote. Yeah, I completely disagree with that. I am all about second chances, but there are um, some instances where you they, they, they shouldn't get the right, their right to vote back. Uh, during this session, you watched Andy McKean of Anamosa switch parties. So yeah. he got elected as he came back to office a couple cycles ago as a Republican. Now he's saying he's a Democrat. We watched David Johnson a couple of years ago do the same thing, although he went from Republican to independent. In both cases, they largely cite President Trump as the reason they have to leave the party. What do you make of that? Well, I focused on everything that we've been able to do in a bipartisan manner, and I think this has been another great session when it comes to that. Now, we're going to have our differences, but when you look at the three major pieces of legislation that I worked on, and just a whole host, again, some of them were unanimous, and a lot of them, most of them had bipartisan support. Even historic funding for K-12 education had bipartisan support for that. We just passed the SAVE bill, which school districts have been working on forever. We just passed a children's mental health system that they've been talking about for decades and we were able to bring both parties together and put Iowans and our children first. Future Ready Iowa passed unanimously last year and we came back together again this year to put the, the money behind the policy that we passed last year so we can help Iowans who are looking for a way up get the skills and get a job and help 
our economy continue to grow. In power rural Iowa passed unanimously, uh, or not unanimously, what with bipartisan, it might have passed unanimously, I'm not sure, but it was close if it didn't, so uh, tremendous support. And so I can go on and on and on, the employer liability bill, uh, shield bill, that one also passed with great bipartisan support. So, you know, I, th I believe that races are local, and I don't spend a lot of time talking about the dysfunction in Washington, D.C. I spend a lot of time talking about how Iowans do things differently, how we're able to come together and move the state forward and put Iowans first. And so that's what I'm focused on. Well, why have we seen two people leave your party because of your party's president? We haven't seen the opposite. We haven't seen any Democrats say, hey, I'm switching to Republican because of this president. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for him. I don't know why he did it. You know, he worked with me on a lot of these issues. I believe we're doing the right thing. Uh, I'm working hard every single day on behalf of, uh, you know, Iowans. And honestly, let me tell you, the largest tax cut in the history of our state was actually probably uh, got done because of the tax reform that happened at the federal level. And we're fighting every day to make sure that Iowans get to keep more of their hard-earned money to have, you know, an, a state that provides those opportunities. Um, you know, I don't believe in you know, I don't believe that everything is free. That's what we hear the other side talking about all the time. Free this, free that, free this. You know, that nothing is free. There's a cost to everything, and we all need to have some ownership in what we're doing. Government has a responsibility to take care of those people that can't take care of themselves. But what I've found to be probably the most successful is a public-private partnership where you have business and industry, nonprofits, communities, and government working together to figure out a way to really help Iowans be successful and to keep our economy growing. And I think that's a winning, uh, that's a winning scenario. The governor's back in a bit for the Insider's Quick Six, where she offers some advice to the Democrats running for president. But first, a historical Iowa headliner at the governor's Future Ready Iowa Summit. Hear what retired NASA astronaut Peggy Whitson told us about what she wants students to think more about in the future. That Iowa pioneer wowed students, teachers, business, and community leaders at the Future Ready Iowa Summit, and with good reason, Peggy Whitson retired from NASA with numerous records. She's the oldest woman spacewalker. She was 57 when she was up there. She has the most total spacewalks by a woman, the longest single space flight by a woman, and the most total days in space by any NASA astronaut. After her remarks to more than 1,000 people in downtown Des Moines, she talked with us. She said she was thankful for the platform before all those people because she gets to stress the importance of science, technology, engineering, and math's potential. You know, I'm really, really grateful for all the educators uh, who are trying to really promote STEM education in our schools. It's really, really important for our future um, as a country, as a world, uh, to be successful. We need lots more scientists, engineers, and mathematicians. Now, even though she has about 100 college degrees, she does not brag about it during an interview. All right, coming up, the connection a presidential candidate has with an Ames mother and her son and why that family is ready for Biden 3.0. That former vice president is looking for better success in our state this time during this third run for president. Joe Biden dropped out of the presidential race in 1988 after some problems with plagiarism in his speeches. Then he finished fifth in the 2008 race and dropped out after the Iowa caucuses. 
Now, Biden's Democratic competitor, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, already had two current Iowa legislators quickly endorse his campaign, Jennifer Conferst of Windsor Heights and Amy Nielsen of North Liberty. Lisa Heddens of Ames, meanwhile, signed on once again for Biden, just like she did a decade ago. You know, the vice president is just very genuine. He understands the issues. He's someone who um, steps up to the plate. He gets things done. And I just look at his track record and feel that he is the right person to step into the position. You've probably watched some of the, followed some of the national dialogue and where people are like, they want a new face. The party needs a new face. We got to get Trump out and Biden's the past. You know, I think each person has to do their own research. I look, have researched Vice President Biden as, as, you know, I've been with him for quite some time. I've looked at some of the other candidates that are running out there. Um, for me, one of the top issues is foreign policy, and the vice president certainly has a very strong track record in regard to foreign policy. We need someone on day one who can go in and uh, rebuild relationships that have certainly have been severed or uh, very tempered uh, with the current president. Uh, your family really likes the guy, too. That doesn't hurt. That is true. Uh, my, my son very much likes uh, Vice President Biden. Um, actually, the vice president calls him uh, the big guy, uh, wondering how the big guy is. Um, and unfortunately, he was unable to be with us today, but I know that uh, he sends his regards and has already told me that when he gets to vote for president this year, he's voting for Joe Biden. And they do go back a few years. They do. They go back about 11 years to uh, when the vice president actually called my son for his birthday uh, over Thanksgiving one year. Um, also, when my son was ill with pneumonia. And, and as you know, Dave, I have a son with an intellectual disability. When my son was ill, the vice president followed up to see how he's doing in his recovery. So, um, yeah, we certainly do have a long history with him. All about those connections. Next, two other out-of-staters who will make some connections with some influential Iowa leaders this week. It's always interesting to peek into the itinerary for the annual Greater Des Moines Partnerships trip to D.C. 180 metro business community and political leaders are signed up, ready to go this week. They'll talk policy and lobby D.C. leaders on things like biofuel possibilities and Iowa Bioscience Innovation Center, rural broadband expansion, deficit reduction, and more. And as usual, they're here not just from the Iowa congressional delegation, but also some of the out-of-staters who appreciate the FaceTime with the Iowa group. So this year, it's these two senators, New York Democrat Kirsten Gillibrand. Of course, she's running for president, so she will welcome this chance to get some private time to chat with the influential Iowa leaders. And then the other guest, Nebraska's Republican Senator Ben Sass. He's been in our state before, and he's also been critical at times of President Trump. So that's made some Iowa Republicans wonder if he perhaps would like to run against Trump next year. We haven't really seen any indication of that in our state so far. But Republican Party of Iowa Chair Jeff Kaufman has not been a fan of Sass. Nonetheless, he's previously told him to stay out of our state. Coming up, is the president honest? Will Iowa's governor take back her criticism of Congressman Steve King? Plus a prediction. They're all next when Governor Reynolds returns for the Insider's Quick Six. Time for the Insider's Quick Six. Back with the governor. Question one, uh, you know Ernie Goss, that uh, economist from Creighton University, so he does that study on where he thinks the economy is going. So he thinks the next three to six months, 
will be strong here, but maybe slowing down a little bit, and he cites worker shortage, that continued thing is a problem here. What's one thing you think you all accomplished during this past legislative session that makes this state more appealing for folks to move here? Future Ready Iowa. I mean, uh, helping funding it, helping Iowans get the skills so that we can meet the demand. Employers are optimistic about the future they're growing. We just need people. First state to get the worker shortage program figured out is the state that's going to exceed. All right, this is kind of a tough one, but if heaven forbid one of your family members had some kind of chronic illness, would you support the use of medical marijuana for comfort or treatment? Mm, I don't know. I don't think you'd roll out anything probably if you had somebody that was sick. So, you know. Uh, question three, your old boss, now Ambassador Terry Branstead, donated some money to Randy Feimster in the Steve King primary race here. You have saying you're staying publicly neutral. Um, Congressman King has said this whole thing is really a thing because the media did it and took some things out of context, but you were critical of some of the things he said. So do you retract your criticism? No, what I said to him was I think he needs to focus on the values of the 4th District. And so, you know, it, he is... He's doing town halls. He's out there working. So, no. Uh, question for Democrats say flat out the president is a dishonest man. In your dealings with him, is he honest or dishonest? The things that I've worked, yeah, I think he's honest. He's worked, uh, the things that he's made promise to Iowans, he's followed through. We asked for um, him to support ethanol E15. Uh, we talked about waters of the U.S. with him. Um, so, any dealings that I've had, he's been pretty good about following through with. As we sit here now, there are 21 Democrats running. Once Steve Bullock gets in the Montana governor here later this month, we'll He's be up been to, to Iowa already, you know. He has. Times, so. He yeah. has. We'll be up to 22. Um, what is your advice for these 22 Democrats traveling our state? Come here and come here often because uh, we love what it does for the economy. You love what it does for the economy. So I think, uh, honestly, I think this with the way the economy is moving and the things that are happening, I think this president is... Uh, going to be re-elected, but you know, Iowa is a pivotal state. We're the first in the nation caucus. This is a great place to come and, um, you know, share your message. Uh, finally, your prediction. What do you have? I think next year in the legislative session, we are going to take the first step in amending the Constitution to allow felons to get their voting rights back. Governor, appreciate the time. Uh, happy early Mother's Day. Yeah, so thank you. Thank travels. you. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Let's stay connected throughout the week. We'll see you next Sunday for the Insiders. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.